Welcome to this episode of CTU Speaks. CTU never sleeps. Homie, I was taught by a Chicago teacher, Chicago teacher, Chicago teacher. I learned to read and write from a Chicago teacher, so I'm inspired by the fight from my Chicago teachers. I am your co-host, Andrea Parker, and I'm joined with... Jim Staros, the other co-host. Yes, and we are excited to be here today. And CTU Never Sleeps is discussing about how CTU organizes. Mm-hmm. Don't you know that we are organizing right now in the summer? Right now. You are off work as educators and having a good time in your summer. Some of you mm-hmm. are doing summer school, but while you are doing summer school or relaxing on vacation... We still are working hard. We're still organizing, getting mm-hmm. our members organized. We are trying to create policies. We are collaborating with other organizations to make sure that our members and all those who are impacted by our members, our students, our parents, our families, our communities are being able to get what they need in order for them to be successful. So, Jim, mm-hmm. you're now working as a field rep at um, the Chicago Teachers Union. That's but true. when you were a teacher, you organized your school building. And what I want to talk quickly to our members before we get to our guests today. I want to talk quickly to our members about organizing and how easy it is for a rank and file member of the CTU to organize. Talk to us about it. Well, it can be real simple. Um, organizing is really about figuring out what the issues are of everybody else that is in a similar circumstance and kind of uniting those efforts together to get a result that you're looking for. Um, Just a a simple one we did at our school, because I know how much everybody loves reach evaluations, right? Oh yeah. They're always so accurate and they're so representative of how we do in a classroom. Yes. Just Um, that one day of observation. Yeah, I know. Right. Of somebody who's not from your field, doesn't understand your subject, doesn't understand your pedagogy or your students they're going to come Mm -hmm. in and tell you how you did your job. That makes sense. Anyway, well, we had an issue at our school with a lot of people getting low ratings. So one of the things we did is we just did a simple poll around the building um, of what was your rating and how many years you've been teaching. And we found that of the 12 people that got low ratings, all 12 of them were veteran teachers, been in the system over 15 years. Of all the highest ratings, I think there were three or four distinguished and like the rest of them were the, the proficient ones, but all the distinguished ones were first year teachers and all the excellent ones were, were younger, you know, or were, were uh, newer teachers. So how did you do that? Because even in allowing or allowing um, teachers to feel comfortable sharing their ratings, yeah. um, how did you promote that to let them show they're safe and they should be okay in sharing their because ratings, ratings can be very personal. You're right. Um, ratings can be very personal. Uh, so what I did is I always shared my ratings, whatever they were. Um, I pointed out that the year I became uh, the delegate at my school, I was at the highest rating just before that. I was distinguished. Who knew? And then as soon as I became the delegate from my school, I dropped to basic. I lost 50% of my teaching ability in two months. And I would say that at faculty meetings, I'd say it everywhere because I'm no better or worse a teacher than I was over those two months. But the rating, and it was the same principal, same everybody, dropped. Basically, he was, I guess, trying to teach me a lesson. I don't know exactly what, but 
Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I shared mine and a few other people would share theirs and people would be like, oh, well, you know, she's a good teacher. Why was her rating lower? He's a good teacher. Why is his rating low? And we start realizing, you know, these aren't really the big, it, it doesn't really tell who we are as teachers or how good we are in the classroom. And then we were able to start pushing back a little bit on these and, and get some of the, the ratings changed. And some of them did change. Awesome. So that's great organizing. And something similar is like, hey, I'm going to share my rating with you guys. Let us share ratings. Let's see some comparison and contrast because it seems like there's been a correlation with years of experience to low ratings. And that has not just been happening at your school, Jim. That happens all across the district, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately. Um, yeah. As soon as you become tenure or as soon as you become unaffordable, um, somehow you are not a great teacher and you need to go because that's a loophole in the contract. When layoffs come, I can get rid of a veteran unsatisfactory teacher before I get rid of a new teacher. And so there, there it is. Yeah. Well, what about you? Have you done organizing stuff within the classroom and stuff like that? Um, when I became a delegate, you know, I became radical, you know, just hearing Karen Lewis and Mm-hmm. Going to like the first union meeting, just hearing, just seeing all this power and organization, I loved it. And I realized as a working file member, I just don't have to go to work and take injustices at work. I'm like, well, I have power. And just hearing from other delegates, district organizers, learning how I can organize my building. And I was at AUSL school during that time. And we were told to work 15 minutes after school each day. What is an upon- school? Uh, that's from the Academy of Urban School Leadership, and those were schools that are, were managed by them. And what they did was they kind of like infiltrated the school system. I mean, certain schools that were, had chronically low scores and teachers were fired. And this uh, organization so, or so-called nonprofit organization came in and they hired and so-called vetted teachers and principals. And they came in and turned the school around. And I was one, I was a veteran teacher because they could not turn around school with completely new teachers. And so I was one of the veteran teachers. Um, it was a lot of things. I was mistreated as well. I was told that I couldn't come back the next year because they were going to cut my position. I was a writing teacher. Oh, and I said, you can't cut my position. I'm 10. You're like, well, yes, I can. If I cut a position, I can cut you. And I was like, no, you can't. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> else has to go. You got to find somewhere else for me to go. And the next day she did, she like, oh, I, I didn't mean I was going to cut you. And she like totally ate her words. But um, toward the end of the year, I'm like, don't, don't you all know? So when I got radicalized and started reading that contract, I'm like, don't you all know? We don't have to work 15 minutes late each day. Yep. There was no delegate at the time of the principal saying that we had to, you know, uh, that we had to work late. There was no signature. There was no vote. That was just something that we had that was imposed upon us. And I had said, this is how I organize. I, you know, money always kind of like incentivizes people. And I was like, don't you all know that we lose about $2,500 a year? Yeah. And that kind of opened up their eyes. Because at first they was like, you know what? We don't mind. We're helping out the kids. I'm like, you are still professional. You can still with the children. But what other profession works overtime and don't get paid? You are not a bad teacher because you want your, to be paid for your time. Your time is valuable. And everybody was on board with exception for one. Everybody said, yes, let's file a grievance. Uh, even new teachers, I told them they cannot retaliate. I said, they can't retaliate against you, but you're not going to get fired because right. you are standing up for your rights. And if you do get fired, there's definitely some recourse. Okay. Right. So nobody, so we filed a grievance. We got $60,000 back Dang. in back pay. Nobody got fired. 
Everybody stayed who wanted to stay. And the next year, the principal got let go. Wow. So that show us a, a show of power. Like, this is what we can do. We all stick together. I got my feet wet with that. I'm like, okay, let me be, you know, that's why I became a district organizer. I got mm-hmm. on the executive board. Now I'm chair of the communications committee. And now I'm in the wow. summer organizing the institute because organized people will organize resources, have power. It's not all about the rich. Rank and file, teachers, TAs, right. student advocates, counselors, we all have power. We just stay yeah. organized. So that's why I think this podcast is very important so our listeners can know you can do something. I don't you care can. what your role is. You can do something and show, show, show a force of power in your building. That's right. And you don't all have to be as badass as Miss Parker getting back $60,000 and getting principals fired and everything. But I mean, it can be something simple. It can be about 15-minute preps. It can be about clerks being required to do extra work that they're not supposed to be doing. It can be about having to monitor the hallways when you're not supposed to be monitoring the hallways. You're supposed to be getting your work done. It can be about real simple stuff. As long as it's something that really affects your building and the culture in your building, it's an excellent issue to organize over. And don't forget, you can call us here at CTU, talk to your field rep, talk to your organizer, and we can help you out with that type of stuff because you're not in this alone. We all in it together because that's what we are here as a union. We're in it together. That's right. And now we're going to have a conversation with two guests who have a lot of experience in organizing. And they're going to talk to us about the Summer Organized Institute. And I hope next summer that you will get involved in our Summer Organizing Institute. It's been an annual thing for 10 years to really train up our members, our rank and file members to be true organizers and advocates for our union, not just for our bread and butter issues, but for those who are affected. So dealing with housing and things like that, making sure that our student students have, you know, great medical care and resources and our families have what they need, all type of social justice issues. We are a social justice union. That's how we roll. And so without any further ado, we're going to go to our guests who are really going to educate you and show you how to get organized, whether in your building or union-wide. So today we're here with two wonderful people from the organizing department. We've got Noreen Kudekonst, a recently retired but head of the organizing department, and Joanna Maldonado, an organizer for CTU, joining us today on the show. Thanks for coming, guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, happy to be here. Yes, we are excited to have you all here to talk about organizing, because I think one thing that is very unique about our union is we are a union that never sleeps. So while many people are on summer vacation, they're quarantining and things like that, we are still on the move. We are being very proactive, and we are organizing our teachers. So let's start the conversation off and talk to our audience what is organizing? What does it mean when our union is organized? Does it mean we just clean off our desk and making sure our desks are clean <laughs> and things like that? What does organizing mean? Well, to me, organizing is uniting people around issues that matter to them and bringing them into action and activity around those issues to make a change. That's the essence of it. All right. Thank you, Noreen. Joanne, would you uh, echo those same sentiments? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's moving our members to to do and mobilize around issues around school, around the city, around our communities, um, and, and being that presence that is able to 
to talk to our members and parents and students to, to do something about injustices or things that we want to see done and holding people accountable. Absolutely. People definitely be held accountable where those checks and balances come from. So let's talk about, again, how it is the summertime. And we are actually in our 10-year anniversary of the Chicago Teachers Union is doing a summer organizing institute. So right now, and and we'll talk about the Summer Organized Institute and what their goals are for this summer. But Noreen, you kind of was the spearheaded the Summer Organized Institute. And how did this idea come about 10 years ago? So in 2010, Karen Lewis and Jesse Sharkey came into office at the CTU with their team. And their goal, our goal, was to transform CTU into an organizing union. And so we had never had an organizing department before then, but we set one up because we knew we had to be stronger inside our buildings and we needed to, to be stronger across the city. So just as a little recap, we had been through about 100 school closings. Mm-hmm. Charter expansion was off the charts and it was, it was like 15, sometimes 20 new charters in right. one single year as they were closing schools. We had over 30 schools where the entire staffs had been fired and, and then turned around wow. by this private agency. And, and then all of these were in black and brown communities. Virtually every single one of these actions was going on in a black or brown community. At the same time, you know, in 2000, we had 45% of our membership were black members. That dropped by 2010 to about 25%. Wow. And, and it's even lower now. It's, uh, I don't know the figure now, but it's, it's lower. So we came into office and we wanted to transform our union, not just to be a union that was like cowering under a cover because the city fathers were going to do something to us, but we wanted to basically build a union that was going to fight back and fight back for our members, for our students, and and for the communities in which our families and our students lived. We wanted their, you know, given the impact on black and brown communities there, we came in with a strong commitment to anti-racism, and we wanted to fight for resources and to go after the money that was out there, but that they were refusing to invest in our schools. So the purpose of the Summer Institute then was to be able to train up a new layer of leadership inside CTU so that we would have members who were leaders and organizers and who would work real hard in their own buildings to build their union, but who would also work to strengthen CTU and, you know, all of the things that that's meant over the last 10 years. Well, I think that's really important. You know, I mean, CTU is so different than a lot of unions in that they really want to develop leadership at the grassroots level, at the rank and file membership level. It's not just Jesse and Stacy dictating from the top what happens. It's, you know, our, our organizational model, the House of Delegates is in charge. And that's, that's somewhat unique in that you've got leadership that intentionally gives up that power to the members. Um, And I think that's really important and it's critical, not just in organizing, but in the successes we've had over the last 10 years with how the unions fought for what the students and citizens of Chicago need. I agree. I I remember when I first met Noreen, I met Noreen 10 years ago 
as Karen Lewis and Jesse Sharkey's were taking the leadership. I was at a school called McCorkle on the South Side, 44th and State Street. And Noreen was came to me and she was talking about, let's go, you know, we're going to have a hearing and we're going to get our voices heard and you can do this. This is how you can organize your school. And I was like, what? I'm just, you know, I'm just a teacher. I didn't know I could do all of this, but I, I didn't know who Noreen was. She just came in my face and just started talking about organizing and how much power that I have. And I didn't think about a union like that. I just thought about paying dues and somebody in leadership would just have, have all the responsibility. You know, I didn't know I had to take responsibility, but it does feel good and empowering to know that we as rank and file educators have power and we have power to influence our leadership and we have powers to influence the so-called powers that be and we can definitely make change. So I definitely remember that. And Noreen is definitely one reason why I got more involved in the union. I became a delegate uh, soon after and then she asked me to be a district supervisor and Noreen's the kind of person that you just cannot say no to uh, because she knows how to, <laughs> she knows how to organize and she has that very nice, quiet influence. So I, I definitely uh, remember that. And I definitely think that it's a good thing to have an opportunity for rank and file teachers, not just teachers, but clerks, uh, teacher assistants, uh, you know, make the um, summer organizing institute inclusive. So everybody who is a union member can feel important and know they have a role to play in our union. So I definitely uh, appreciate that uh, and starting that. That is definitely different. Um, But how does one and maybe, Joanna, you can ask this. How does one become an organizer and how do we make the institute even inclusive to include all rank and file members if they want to be able to join? Yeah, I mean, the. It's definitely one of the, our initial premises as we are looking um, to select who is going to be, because unfortunately we can only train up 30 people a summer and that decision is hard. And so this summer is my first summer being part of the other side of things where I'm part of that interview process. And it is definitely a place where we are looking at how do we elevate the voices of our clerks of our RJ coordinators, of our black and brown educators, so that we can uplift um, those demands around, you know, bilingual education and the the campaign that is ever growing in our union would not be possible without the Summer Organizing Institute and developing those leaders. Um, the the work that Crystal has done in the Summer Organizing with Tanil and now LaShawn with our PSRPs is, yes. is what saved our clerks, you know, and being yeah. able to launch that campaign. Um, and now we're really heavily focused on our restorative justice practitioners. We are growing in that space every year um, and making sure that CPS and the state not only say that RJ is is a state mandate, but that it's actually funded and that those folks are organized. Um, And specifically, even this summer, we're doing a lot of work with our STLS liaisons and the schools that are receiving STLS advocates, um, as well as our sustainable community school leaders, because those are the spaces where, like, if there are smaller groups of members, it is our responsibility to elevate um, and uplift those demands for, for the rest of our union to mobilize around. Okay, cool. So the program is a four-week program over the summer. And so what would a t- what like what's a typical day looking like for those who are involved? What are they expected to be doing in those four weeks? Um, I liken that program to a combination of a a, a, a level of study of labor history, our union history, Chicago history. 
um, being able to meet and learn from our community-based organizations that are doing work around the city that is so vital to the work that we do in our schools, um, because we're all one in essence, right? Um, And then also being able to learn how to have organizing conversations, how to do one-on-ones with uh, members in your building and throughout the union and finding those spaces where um, there's similarities and that there are, there is a need um, and then helping them think of a campaign, think of an action um, and giving the, the ability to like think through a plan from beginning to end, but mostly it's about the relationships that are formed during the Institute among, you know, rank and file members and the organizers they have, they are able to also meet the researchers. Um, They'll they'll meet the policy director. They'll meet the membership people. They will, they will know how the union works inside and out um, as well as the committees that we have. And so there's just a lot of exposure but half of the day um, in the evenings, we, we dedicate to, to talking to our members, to hearing what their concerns are, to hearing what their issues are, um, and, and helping them build those campaigns in their schools as they go return to school. That's right. You know, I just want to say, like, um, it was about five years ago, I was part of the Summer Organizing Institute. And that's where I first met Noreen. I think I'd met her earlier at one point, but the first time I really got to interact and when I remember walking into the, into the building and I had a thousand questions for everybody and everybody's answer was ask Noreen, ask Noreen, like, and I'm like, who the hell is Noreen? I don't even know who this person is, but apparently she has all the answers. So I was very excited to meet Noreen and she did have all the answers and we did get to, you know, really interact real close with the policy that CTU was putting out. We got to participate in, uh, developing some of those policies, some of the initiatives that were out there, um, and really get sort of into the nitty gritty stuff of what the union actually does on a regular basis, and that we are the union. It's not the union isn't some entity that's out there that we sort of show up to and say hi to, but it's us, and we are the actually living part of the union that actually pushes it forward, and that was. I mean, I guess in my head I knew that, but like to really feel it and become a part of it was was really cool. It was very invigorating and really helped uh, motivate me to get more involved at my school. It was that year I became a delegate. And then pretty soon afterwards, because Noreen asked, and as Ms. Parker said, you can't say no to Noreen, asked me to be a district organizer, and it just kept snowballing from there. And uh, Ms. Parker, I know you're part of the Organizing Institute this year. Is that right? Yes, I am part of the Organized Institute this year. And Joanna interviewed me and I was scared to death. I was like, oh boy, she's asking me. <laughs> oh, so now we get I to think... turn the tables. Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. So she's nice. not taking over. She's like, oh, what's the biggest issue facing our union? I'm like, oh my goodness, I, I hope I answered this right. Because <laughs> she's like, hey, it's only 30 people. Like 100 some people apply. It's only 30 slots. You, you better get this question right. I was like, oh boy. <laughs> but thankfully, I got it right. Uh, or I just had some favor with uh, Joanna because she's such a nice lady. <laughs> but. This year is, um, I've learned a whole lot. A lot of times you think you know things, but you know, when you learn information, you realize how much you don't know. And um, this week we had people from um, housing and just talking about the inequities in housing and wanting to not just cancel rent, but cancel mortgages for now because um, renters and homeowners are suffering. There are many members of our members who are not just renters, but our homeowners and they are suffering as well. And just the inequities education, how much, um, 
lack of regulation in it when it comes to the real estate market. And I didn't know that how such a powerful market they were. You know, I always thought the NRA was the most powerful, you know, like lobby entity. But basically I learned that the housing market is and they just literally have no regulation, just can raise rent, skyrocket rent with with wow. and not have to answer to anybody. And literally people are put out on the street because they have That's no crazy. regulation. And yeah. our children are part of this. So right. our children get displaced. Our children have to move out the city because they cannot afford to live here. Or you know, they're moving into a place or a neighborhood that may be unsafe, um, where they're slumlords and things like that. And so this indirectly affects us as educators. And so I know Joanna is over the uh, housing committee or chairs the housing committee. And I'm just having a greater heart for that. Um, because I had asked a question about like, you know, can we teach people how to, you know, organ, you know, how to budget their money well. But again, if you're not really getting any money and rent is 70 percent of your income, then how can yeah. there's nothing yeah. really to budget nothing because you, you it's yeah. nothing you can do. So um, we really have to fight against those, you know, unjust laws and policies. And as educators, you know, it's not just about us getting raises and making sure our condi- our direct conditions are good. It's make sure that our students and our family conditions are good because that impacts our working conditions. So being organized this year, you kind of see that real up close and personal. And it really taps on your heart and it makes you want to fight harder for your kids because you see things in a different way. So... I am grateful to be a part of the organizing. And I know that it is remote this year, but I don't think it takes away from the importance of it and the things that we are are doing with it. So that leads to my next question, though. And both of you can answer this if you like. What do you think um, some of the wins have been uh, from CTU, Summer Organizing Institute? Well, I think about it in terms of, you know, our goal was that we wanted to be able to develop more rank and file leaders and and more membership involvement in the union. And I think that actually is our biggest win, that we have more CTU members involved in the union than ever. Um, Mm. You, you know, you both mentioned that um, you became delegates and then you, you know, you participated in this and then you learned some things about running a PPC or building a a contract action team. And, and so, it's, um, I think we're strengthening the the roles and the, of delegates. And I think we're also, uh, it was an, it's always a goal for us, particularly related to when we're um, fighting for a contract to be able to build strong contract action teams and to get people in the buildings talking right. to each other about what it is we want to fight and win. Probably, oh, 75% or more of the people who have been in our institute have uh, gone on to work on committees or to serve in leadership bodies of CTU. And, um, and then I think because we talk a lot about what's going on in our communities, I really think that we've strengthened our ability to have members really understand what it means to be um, allied with parents and to be able to work with parents, I, you know, hopefully at the school level, but also at the city level. Absolutely. I mean, and and I don't have a whole lot to add to that other than, you know, if you want like a specific um, win and, you know, my involvement in in CTU is, you know, quadrupled and and grew exponentially after I began being um, part of the summer organizing institutes. But I was my first year, 
I was in a group with, you know, Linda Perales and Victoria Rosario and um, Roxana Gonzalez, who are leaders in the Latinx caucus, who Latinx caucus had been around for longer than that. But as we are growing as a union, we have to constantly be developing new leadership. And mm-hmm. there, you know, we have to increase capacity for what we can do. And those women took what they learned in the Institute and ran with it. And you, we've seen what they've been able to do with those organizing skills and those tactics um, through the strike and, and before and beyond. They've been doing sanctuary work that's expanded sanctuary, working with our community members and allies, the work that they've been doing during this pandemic around mutual aid, it all goes back to those relationships that they build during that summer. And so, again, I say, like, there is so much to learn, but it's also, like, it's setting setting up those networks of people so that when the organizing institute is over, that doesn't mean they're done, right? That is the beginning of their journey, um, and continuing the work at their schools um, and throughout the city. So it's just been great to see them grow in that space, as well as many others, right? I can go on, but um, absolutely, like the work that happens after the Institute and the skills that people gain to be able to mobilize their buildings is astounding. I want to add something to that, which is, you know, you think about what are, are all the different things that we won in our contract this past fall, and the sanctuary language that came out of what Joanna is just talking about Um, protections for homeless students. You know, that was uh, really championed by members who've been, you know, in these leadership training programs. We've had early childhood people and we won some really good things in early childhood. We have amazing special education leaders who, who um, got some training in the organizing institute. And then we won some really strong wins in special ed. And I think we could just go on and on. And so there's, it has a direct connection to, okay, what do we need in our classrooms? And then what should we be fighting for in our next contract fight? So there's a lot of fighting that, you know, and organizing that we do between contracts. But then when it comes contract time, people... Um, they've been organizing around this and they've been talking right. to their colleagues about what we need. And so then they, they push it and, and that is a win for the whole city. Right. And I think that's an important point that the hard work is done between contracts. You know, I think a lot of times people look and they say, oh, the teachers union is going to go on strike on this day. And they think that's when we start doing our work. But the work to get to that point is where the hard part is. And to get people to understand we can have a better city, it doesn't have to be that they shut down 100 schools in black and brown communities. We don't have to have a minimum wage that you can't live on. It doesn't have to be that way. These are decisions and choices people have made over the years, and they can unmake those choices, but they won't do it unless somebody makes them. And and we're one of those forces out there that are going to make them. So there has been many rallies uh, on defunding the police. Um, getting like CPD out of CPS and also making sure schools are safe for return of the fall. Um, CTU has recommended that we do remote learning in the fall while CPS has uh, made a statement about hybrid learning. So what would you all say is our primary theme or our focus for organizers this summer and why is it so critical in this moment? 
A lot of our efforts, and while there are many other smaller campaigns that are happening, the the major focus this summer, as you know, depending on the year and depending on the summer, things change. And this year, last year was a strike. This year is return to school and ensuring that it is safe. And our primary objective is to hear from our members and hear what their concerns are and hear what they're willing to do. We know that from our surveys, from the town halls, that our members are very concerned and willing to do a lot, right? And so what we're calling members, asking them is the same question that Jesse asked on the Teleton Hall, which is, should we be running a strike-like campaign for return to school? And the polls all say, you know, in the, in the 87, 90% that yes, we should be, because this is the fight for our lives. And this is yeah. not just us as teachers, but as workers and um, our parents, right? And right. we are able to uh, push back on capitalism that says that we need to go back for the sake of economy and that it's okay to put children and teachers at risk in order to do so that's the fight, right? Like, and so what are we willing to do and what extent are we willing to go to in order to stand strong on the fact that nobody liked remote learning, right? Like we all agree that we need to be in person with our kids and that is what is effective, but we also can't do it at the expense of an economy. And so we're, we're getting information as Stacy says, right. And we're getting our members to really re-envision and reimagine um, what that's going to look like and what that, what the rest of the year is going to look like, right. Mm-hmm. Because COVID isn't going away anytime soon and we have to be ready. <laughs> and we always have right. to be ready. And we, and that's what our interns are spending a lot of time doing is talking our members through, not just saying that we don't want to go back, but what are we willing to do to go back? And, and what does that look like? And again, that's what I like about our union. We're constantly making it inclusive. We're constantly contacting our rank and file members, our teachers, our paraprofessional, which includes our clerks, our TAs, our advocates for our students. We're just calling people and see what they're thinking and making sure that we don't want to court and making sure we're educating them and that we're also hearing their needs because we're not always in agreement with one another. We want to make sure that we understand each other, we get it, and that we try to do our best to make sure that we are in solidarity, even if we are not in agreement because we do want what's best for our students, especially in this moment when there is a pandemic and we want to make sure that we're not forced into going into a building because learning has never stopped. School has never stopped. But the fact that we are not in a building has stopped. And so we want to make sure that if we are to return back into a building, that uh, it is in the safest aspect possible. So uh, I just definitely appreciate that organizing. But what about um, remote organizing? Because most of the time, I mean, for the past nine years, organizing has been face-to-face. It's been in-person meetings, workshops, um, teachers and other members of the union who are in the organized institute have been going door knocking and things of that nature. But right now it is remote. We're calling people. Um, It's not exactly the same. So what effect does it have on organizing? Well, for sure, it's making all of us tech gurus, right? As teachers were learning um, that they were capable of anything, we as organizers are also, you know, getting the hang of it. Um, And so we are still, and so there are are the things that are missing from parts of that, right? Where 
when you're going door knocking with your team and you're able to have those conversations in the car or walking from door to door um, and doing those debriefs in person, um, you know, we were concerned about how do we continue to build those relationships. And so we've been very cognizant of that and trying to carve out times where um, interns do have a chance and an opportunity to get to know each other and build those relationships um, and being able to, you know, making as engaging and as interesting as possible because it is easy to kind of zone out when you're, when you're on a Zoom call. But the feedback has been that, you know, it is still engaging and it is still rewarding and that um, folks are still getting a lot out of it. Um, as far as like the ability to organize our members, you know, it's phone banking has always been part of the work that we do. Um, you know, there's been 99 degree days that we were not going to send our interns out there, days where it is thunderstorming. And so we've always done a portion of phone banking during the Summer Institute. And this summer, we're going to be introducing some online organizing. So members out there, if you're listening, you know, you will get a message on Facebook and people are going to hit you up and ask you, what do you think about this? How are you feeling about that? And um, can you come to this meeting to learn more? And so we're not shying away from any new tactics um, in order to reach our members. This is a time where we are being physically distant, but that doesn't mean that we stop organizing because now more than ever, um, since the uprising, since George Floyd in the middle of this pandemic, this is when we need to be more connected than ever. Um, and so we're learning and we're using right. them as we learn. So what does it take to have an organizing institute every summer? What goes into this? The organizers are the ones who make it all happen, you know, every summer. They lead a small group. They, you know, they motivate. So like right, right now, Rebecca. Well, Rebecca's been, this is Rebecca's third year of being the, the responsible oh, for it. Okay. And she's amazing. It is a team effort and, and they all work their butts off. And Joanna can tell you probably this is <laughs> the hardest she's ever worked is for the Summer Institute. So um, where do you guys see the future of summer organizing? How is this going to be playing out moving forward? I know it's hard to look in your crystal ball and see what's going to be happening. But if you could, what would it look like in five, 10 years from now? Well, I'll start. Public education has been disinvested in and defunded now for decades. And mm -hmm. so I don't see that there is going to be a turnaround of that unless we are organized, unless our members are taking control of their unions and fighting for what it is we right. need. And so I think as long as public education is, you know, you've got people like Betsy DeVos who wants to privatize we're going to have to be fighting and we're going to have to do organizing and do, um, you know, these kind of leadership development. And, and by the way, the Summer Organizing Institute isn't the only way that people can become leaders inside CTU. There's lots of ways. And so right. um, we're trying to kind of seed committees and, um, and schools so that everybody gets access to the ability to be able to be organizing for what we need. And um, I want to, I just wanted to say that in the state of Illinois, there are two other unions that for multiple years in a row now have been doing organizing institutes. One is Peoria and one is the Cook County College Teachers Union. And so I think that this is a model that is going to be ad adopted across Illinois. 
We've also heard from other national unions who have already started to do this. They've been doing it for some years now too. So um, it's going to be necessary and, uh, and it'll strengthen our union. I agree. I was just thinking myself that I would love for every single member to do organizing in some way, shape or form. I think that'd be just great resource for them and just great practice for them. Because what I learned in the Summer Organized Institute, I think one of the most powerful phrases is that who has power and it's organized people with organized resources. And so I definitely know that our union has power and I really appreciate the things that I've learned. I think that every union member or CT union member will benefit from this. And I'm so glad that we are a pioneer in this model of organizing because again, not a lot of unions work this way with their rank and file members. That's I like correct. that we are inclusive and we want people to understand what organization looks like. And so I, I thank um, CTU for this. And Noreen, I just thank you again for just also, again, being the pioneer of this, um, just setting the standard of what organizing looks like, um, just being a part of my life and helping me be a better union member and not just a union member term, just paying my dues being an inactive union member, but an active union member and giving me the tools that I need to organize and promote other members to be a part of this wonderful union that we are in. So just thank you uh, for all that you've done. And I know that you retired, but you have definitely left a legacy to our union and your name will never be forgotten. It will just continue to be great. We will always tell stories of you. So uh, we just want to say thank you for all that you have done. And I know you will not get, you will not stop. Even though you're retired, we know that you will still um, have a, a heavy role to play in the union and what we are going to do moving forward. You know, and I just wanted to say, like, I would be remiss to let this go because I've got Noreen on the show and she's retiring. And, you know, she the way she phrased the beginning of the show, like 10 years ago, there was really no organizing in the country. She started this. She is the pioneer of this nationally. And if you take a look at what's going on, like you can look at Ms. Parker and I, we were both part of it. Now we're running a podcast. Yeah. Prior to this, we, you know, uh, another member and I helped run the Policy Institute, which never existed before. Both of us came through the Organizing Institute. How and Joanna, people, yeah. we never had a housing um, committee, right? This is our first time having a housing committee. Exactly. And a human rights committee. And, and we've yes. got all this stuff is really because of what Noreen put into it and really designed this, um, you know, and the, the stuff that's going on in Peoria and Cook County is great, but that doesn't exist absent Noreen really creating this at CTU. And, you know, you go back, this is, you know, this is a model nationally for this. And it's very important. You know, we all put, you know, ripples into the pond that spread out, but, you know, Noreen was like a gigantic boulder thrown in and just, Really, you cannot overestimate the impact that she's had both in CTU nationally on teachers unions and and socially active unions in general, that organizing is a part of this and it should be a critical part of it. Yes. Um, and, and it's really changed the face, in my opinion, of how unionism is seen across the country. And she is far too humble to admit that herself. So I will admit <laughs> it for her. Um, and that is 100% accurate as far as my, as far as why I see it. Okay. Well, that's very lovely. And I, I really want to say thank you for giving me all that credit. I do not deserve all that credit. Yes, you do. At all. Karen Lewis, Jesse Sharkey, and my two uh, 
two of the other early folks who came into office in 2010 were really part of this team. And so, and that was Matthew Luskin and Jackson Potter. Yes. Yep. And, um, and, and, and that's the beautiful thing about CTU is we're a team and we figure things out and then we run with them and we work as hard as we can. And, and that's, that's what um, I know that CTU is going to continue to do. And just to jump in here, I appreciate everything Noreen has done. And I, and like you guys didn't know who Noreen was, but yet <laughs> she was doing all of this. Right. And as organizers and as, members who are already leaders in their building and are organizing. Organizing is not about being in the spotlight. It's not about giving speeches. It's not about, you know, being out there. It's about having those conversations where you're listening to each other. You're making the space and time um, to think through a plan um, and get people involved. And so don't think that it has to be this whole other thing. We're all learning from Noreen that a whole lot gets done by just making sure that you're having those conversations and you follow up with folks um, and, and every, you know, every member in the, in the building has the ability to do this and reach out to their organizer and our organizing department is growing, right? I think it's yeah. the biggest it's ever been. So if you're wondering who your organizer is, um, you go to ctulocal1.org forward slash reps and there you will see who your field rep is um, and who your organizer is and so if you are coming across an issue in your building that you're like we've already grieved this or grieving isn't going to help it reach out to your organizer so you can come up with a plan for how to involve your members in your school and really you know get everybody on the same page because collectively when we fight we win yes Organize people, organize resources, definitely. And that's where the power lies within us. So thank you so much, Noreen and guys. Joanna, for being here today to talk to us about organizing and for our audience. And I hope because of this podcast that many people or many union members will want to organize and be a part of the union in a more participatory and active way. And so if you want to be a part of the Some Organized Institute, just, you know, next year is going to come around. There's definitely opportunity. But if you don't want to wait, there are lots of committees you can join. Um, Jim and I are on the communications committee. That's where this podcast has arisen from. Or So you can always go to ctulocal1.org and look at the many committees that we have available. And trust true. me, I know there is a spot for you. So thank you all for tuning in. Again, thank you, Noreen and Joanna. You all have a wonderful day. And I hope that you all come back soon. Please do. Thanks Great. for having us. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Great to talk. So thanks for tuning in again for another wonderful episode of CTU Speaks with myself and the lovely Miss Parker. Woohoo! Yeah. And don't forget to sign up for our podcast on any of your podcasting platforms. I know there's still a couple people out there that are not signed up. Seven billion people in the world and our signups are slightly under seven billion. So we want to get those other people up on there. So click on your favorite platform of any kind. And uh, Miss Parker's going to tell you how to call us. Yes, please call us. We just love to hear your voicemails, your comments, your concerns, all these things, and your ideas. We can be reached at 312-467-8888. I'll say it again. 312-467-8888. And if you want to email us, we can be reached at ctuspeaks at ctulocal1.org. And I'll say it one more time. ctuspeaks at ctulocal1.org. Dot or. 
All right. Well, Miss Parker is feeling it today. Yeah. I, I am. I'm in that kind of mood. I'm in an organizing mood. That conversation was on point. And I just really, I just, I'm ready to organize this whole city. Nice. But this week, actually, on Wednesday and Thursday, if you are a teacher on the South and West Sides, please check your emails. We're having a Zoom Town Hall meeting at 5 p.m. to talk about uh, police officers or how to rid SROs out of the building because they are expensive. You're talking about veteran teachers are expensive. SROs are very expensive in the building. They have $33 million. And so they have to go. And that way we can have a counselor, a nurse, a a restorative justice person in the building every single day. So please tune in to the um, Zoom town hall meeting on Wednesday and Thursday. Wednesday for West Side teachers, Thursday for South Side teachers. Um, but hey, if you miss, if you can't make the Wednesday one, come to Thursday. If you can't come Thursday, make the Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And we'll be on the line at 5 p.m. So please check your emails. Definitely. And we'll also be having emails out about teletown halls, about return to work issues. There's also going to be rallies around the city over the next couple weeks to say that we need to make sure that if we're going back, it's got to be protected and we have to have a way better plan than they currently have. The idea that they're going to have just 400 more janitors cleaning up the buildings, that's not even one per school. I know they can't even keep mice out of the building. How are they going to keep a virus out? I mean, I'm not a science teacher, but viruses, I believe, are smaller than mice. Come on now. Come on now. We ain't playing. Let's get organized. Come on. Let's get to it. So thank you again for tuning in to CTU Speaks, where we only speak what matter. Talk to you soon. Bye.